Welcome to Recovery Uncovered, your all things recovery podcast. Recovery Uncovered is produced by MHAB Enterprises, a division of the Northeast Group of Companies located right here in Plattsburgh, New York. I'm your host, Mike Carpenter. Affectionately known as MHAB Mike. And I'm your co-host, Betsy Vicencio. Affectionately known as BV the Normie. We have one goal in these podcasts, and that's not to suck. Thanks for tuning in. talk some about recovery because we got scolded by one of our producers today that we're not talking enough about recovery. So we're going to do that. We really should. But let's talk about uh, Aruba. You want to talk about Aruba? How was Aruba? How was your vacation? So I will tell you that um, that it having a vacation after everything that uh, that we've been through for the past 16 months, to have time away, um, it was wonderful. I will tell you that it takes the better part of seven days to even figure out how to be on vacation. It's it's super disorienting. Um, travel's a little bit disorienting. You know, really just kind of, we, we, you know, we've been, we've all been like sh- sheltered in our little world and really limited circles. And so even to get out to an airport, you know, the Albany airport, not very big. So you can kind of scoot through there and go, okay, I got this. But, you know, we landed in Charlotte and, uh, and there were so many people transitioning between planes. Santana and I at one point found our way to like one of the concourses where there weren't people just so we could be away because it was super disorienting to be around so many people. Gratefully, travelers that we saw were incredibly respectful for masking policies and Aruba the Island um, was really serious both about their requirements to get onto the island. There were special processes to get on. Did you on. have to be vaccinated to go? I mean, um, you are, but did, did you have to be or no, could you go there, to Aruba were, without? There no. were no vaccination rules, although yeah. virtually everybody we met that were um, people that lived on the island, almost 100% of the people we met, including a couple of people that were, quite frankly, Trumpers, were all vaccinated. Um, so that part was really interesting, um, but really respectful of masking Who'd processes. Who'd you go with? Santana and Marsha, my mother. We brought Marsha, Marsha Bogart. So I want to make a point that I've been making all along. You took your mother and your favorite child with you, and you left your least favorite child home and didn't get to go on vacation. Is that that correct? So let's be honest. My other favorite child, Bridget, (laughs) I sent her on an almost two-week vacation. You sent her to Alaska by herself. That was her (laughs) lifelong dream of what she wanted to do. She doesn't like beach. She doesn't want to go to an island. She would not have had a good time on the island. She wouldn't have loved it at all. It's not her thing. It's Marsha's thing. Marsha loves the beach. She loves to be on an island. Santana loves the beach. I love to be outdoors and I love to be um, on the beach. So it was not, it's just not what Bridge likes to do. Bridget wanted to go to Alaska. That was the dream she had six years ago before she had rain was to go and to spend, uh, you know, time in Alaska. And she got to do that. So. so it was good. You had a good time. It was nice to be away. That second week when you finally get, get relaxed and you kind of get to know also where you are, even though it's a small island, it takes a little bit to get oriented. It was just... It was nice to kind of settle in and relax and not feel the stress of, of kind of what the world has done to us over the past 15 months. So I feel much better. I was, I was coming undone, a little bit unhinged <coughs> at the end of my time before I went on vacation. I was really, I yeah, really we talked about it. We, n- we noticed it. It was pretty, no, the last couple of weeks for you, you were pretty, you were pretty crispy. It was, it was rough. It was rough. So I feel much better. It's obvious you don't handle stress as well as I do. Clearly. Because... 
No, I've not been affected. This <laughs> COVID <laughs> pandemic hasn't bothered me. Not one not one in little the least. Bit. I've been, oh. I've been really good. And a bike. So, you know, we're supposed to be talking about recovery, and <clears throat> we don't have a guest today in the hospital. Uh, guy would have been great because okay. we could have talked about, you know, the problem in healthcare, which we know is huge. And I think probably the impact of COVID than, has, yeah, you know, has really impacted yeah. the healthcare industry, both hospital employees as well as nursing home employees, people that are caring for others amidst a time when we're all struggling to care for ourselves. I would love to have had that conversation with Greg Sherman so today. You know, one of the things that while well, you were gone for two weeks, I was kind of thinking about as I'm, so people don't know this, but you know this, this is used, Memorial Day weekend has been for the last, I think, eight or nine years for me, my weekend when I go to a, I, <coughs> I don't call it a recovery retreat, but it's a golf tournament in Southern Virginia with a hundred plus guys that are all in recovery from all over the country. And, and it's a great event. And I didn't go this year for two reasons. One, you were gone. I didn't want to leave the business. And two, I had a family issue with somebody. So I, I just chose to stay home and miss it. And I really did miss it. I realized I when they were did. gone how much I, I miss being there. And I think, you know, the point of that is oftentimes in recovery, we talk a lot about the work you have to do and you got to look at your childhood trauma and you got to deal with this and you have to do this and you got to be careful where you go so you don't drink or you don't get high or whatever the case is and and all of those things are incredibly important but the rewards on the flip side of it and the fun stuff that we do is is such a big component of it and you know I, I think about this and I've now made friends from all over the country who I never would have met before by going to this golf tournament and you know three of the guys that there's usually five of us that regularly go and uh, three of them went this year and, and two of us elected not to and you know when I texted them and asked them how it went they were like well we made new friends and we sucked at golf which <laughs> is you know typically kind of the way we are and, and I, I say that to, to say that I've learned how to have a really great time in recovery and I you know I think about you being in Aruba and I think uh, Bryn might have even asked me earlier, you know, I've been on a couple of cruises, and I remember the first time I went on a cruise in recovery. I hadn't been. I never really thought I would enjoy it, quite honestly. Lizzie wanted to go, so I said, okay, I'm willing to go and try it. And <laughs> the irony of it is at the end of that first cruise, I was like, my God, I loved it. My wife was like, eh, it was okay. I didn't, <laughs> you know, didn't necessarily love it, so it's weird. Um, and part of the, the reason for having a little fear, you know, ang anxiousness about going on the first one was there's a lot of booze. You there's know, that's what you hear. Oh, it's booze, freed, people are drunk all the time and the whole thing. And, and you know what I noticed when I was on that first cruise? There's a lot of booze. There, there is. Um, I also noticed there were a lot of people who were not drinking excessively. You had your pocket of them, you know, sure. the, the people who are just there to be on a drunken binge for seven or eight days. Um, you had a lot of them who might have a beer or two with dinner or whatever the case was. And, and then the irony of it is, you know, as a 12-stepper, as a which is what I am, when you walk in on a cruise ship, they have a board, and the board kind of lists events. You, like, like not the official cruise events, but things that people can put up for messages. So if, you have, if you're going to have like a card game or something, you can put it up on the board. And there's a thing up there that says FOB meets in the card room or whatever, you know, every day at 10 a.m. And so for most people, they go, FOB, I have no idea who those guys are. For those of us that are kind of in 12-step programs, we know that that means friends, friends of Bill. Bill. So you go to these, and, and we wound up, on the first cruise, it was quite small. There were 
there were only maybe three or four of us. And so we went a couple of times and we got to know those people. On the second cruise, there were like 15 people that were all wow. in recovery. And so we wound up hanging out with them. You know, we're at the schooner bar or, or we're in the casino at night or we're just wherever. And we were running into these people and they're like friends that we did. We had no idea who they were before, but now we had this in common. So, you know, you begin to sense this camaraderie that goes on in these places. You know, we were in, we were in Germany for when we went over for Bogner, our, our, one of our customers. And we, uh, Lizzie and I are looking for an English-speaking meeting. And, you know, we found a meeting. And, you know, in the middle of Germany, we don't speak the language. We don't know anything about the country. And we drive across the city to this place and we walk in. And it's just like I walked into a, the same place as I would That's in Plattsburgh, awesome. New York. So you have this built-in community. And I, I will tell you, one of the things that most people don't realize about those fellowships is, it was good to be there. I, I felt better. I got to talk to people, blah, blah, blah. I found out all the best restaurants, all the best non-tour. These are people who live in this community. So yeah. you go there and you have like a built-in tour guide. They're telling sure me the is. places to go see, the things you really need to do, the food you need to eat. It was like, and that's just another one of those things that I take for granted that you don't necessarily get when you go to Aruba because you don't have that, that built-in kind of thing. It's true. You know, that's a couple of times when I've traveled, um, I'm, a, I'm a Rotarian, yep. and there are rotary yeah. groups all around the world. And we were driving down this one highway, and I saw the rotary sign. I'm like, I should, I should find the rotary meeting and, and go. They meet once a week. It's a, usually a lunch meeting somewhere. And, uh, and that would be my kind of my instant in to, to a you community that I'm You can go to another place as a Rotarian? Absolutely. You can be a visiting Rotarian just like, just like AA and just show up at a meeting and they welcome you in. You're part of that community and fellowship. I mean, fellowship is the key component yeah. to, uh, to Rotary. It took, us, it took us about a week of going to the same smoothie shop to get what you got right. walking into that meeting right. because right. finally the, you know, the people kind of relaxed and lightened up and knew that we were staying at this more residential section of the island. And we literally came by every day, sat down, had a smoothie and a toasty, and, and had a chat. And it was great. So it's, so it's an inside scoop. Interesting dynamic because you, you don't, like it is one of the things that happens with people in recovery. For, first off, when most people come into recovery, they're, they're not on top of their game. It's not, a, it's not I had a few too many drinks or a little bit and everything is good, although there are some very wealthy or well-off people that are in recovery, no doubt. But most people are you know, financially in trouble, family sure. in trouble, all that stuff. So the idea of ever being able to do anything other than just having a place to live and food to eat and a bed to sleep in is kind of foreign to people. And you know, one of the things that we try to talk to the newer people when they come in is that you, know, you can have this like, like, so they see me, and I'm 31 years sober, and I, you know, got good business and a lot of friends and a happy marriage, and, you know, they, they see all that, and, but they, they, they're here, and they go, I'll never get there. You know, Mike's going out west to play golf for a week, and he's going to the Grand Canyon and the Cardinal game and all that. I'll never get there, and I have to remind them that when I came in, I was living in a half a trailer with an old car and working two jobs, and, and so it's hard for people not to live right in that what goes on at the moment. And, and so if you can give people, I think, a little bit of hope that they can have that. And, you know, I have a couple of friends, and I, I won't tell you who they are by name, but, you know, one of them, well, even our first resident or one of our early residents, uh, you know, a, a woman who came and lived with us and didn't really necessarily want to be in recovery and want to do that mm -hmm. stuff. And, and you know what? 
tried it, went with an open mind and tried it. And then she took advantage of everything we did at MHAB. She took advantage of the, of the fitness coach and she took advantage of the gym and we employed her in the kitchen to start part time. And then she went and took the recovery coach's job and got a job with one of the uh, treatment centers here and moved out and got her own apartment and is now in a really nice relationship with somebody in recovery, you know, who's gonna move in with her. And, you know, she, she made a comment the other day, I saw her about how she had gone to the mall and I think got her hair done and her nails done or something like that. And, and she was so excited about being able to do that. She's like, I have money to go and like pamper myself. It was so, it's such a great experience. And it's like when, when you begin to see that, people start to realize that they have an opportunity to have this other stuff and do this, you know, really great stuff. And, you know, I have another guy young guy who I'm working with and he's a golfer and he's allowed to play with us because he sucks worse than we do. So we, we let him, you know, we, have, we don't let any of the really good golfers into our inner circle. You have to be bad if you want to play with us. And he was so scared and, and to, you know, see if he could fit in or whatever. And I, I, I forced him into going up and ask somebody if he can get in the group. And now he's in the group on this regular tech stream. And the other day he played, I played with him and, and he was just so appreciative. He's like, this is so, I never thought this would happen in my life. Like, this is so great to have this. And so we, it, I think it's important when we talk about recovery that we talk about all the really cool shit we get to do as opposed to just being, and I'll say, wait, before you ask, I'll say one other thing. You know, some people say, they used to talk about, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. And, and somebody a couple of years ago changed my MO with that when they said, I get to do this. Like this isn't a, you know, when I first came into recovery, I was like, I have to do this. I have to go see a counselor and I have to work on my, and, and it's like today I'm like, what a great gift I get to do this. Like it's, it, it, it's become fun and enjoyable to be living this kind of a lifestyle. It's, it's that, you know, that, that just is cool. I think though, having seen much of your path for the past 15 or 16 years, I mean, it comes with, with effort, commitment to commitment to relationships, which take work, whether it's yeah. a relationship with yourself, relationship mm -hmm. with others. I mean, you spend an awful lot of time, um, I think, not just glossing over life, right? And, and is that maybe a, a component to that that I think so many people early in recovery are afraid of? They don't want to, they, they, you know, they, it's not that they don't want to do the work, but doing the work is a lot of effort. It's scary. It's a, yeah. It's scary. Yeah, it's, it's a it's lot of conversation. It's a lot of, it's a lot of self-reflection if you really want to affect change. Um, and, and I think yeah, that when that's talk about Yeah, when you talk about soul searching and really getting down to the stuff that makes you tick as an individual, you know, none of us, I don't think any of us, even non-addicts, necessarily like the idea of, you know, analyzing the, what makes them tick and what their flaws are and what their, you know, and things that they have to change. And so, yeah, it's really tough. And it, it's ironic because you bring up a valid, a really great point that people, especially in early recovery, were so extreme. Like, we, we're, we're like, we're, when we come into early recovery, we're like, the people in Washington are right now. We're like on these, <laughs> on these really, really, really extreme ends. And those extreme ends are either, I'm gonna be so committed to recovery and changing my life that I don't ever do anything except analyze everything I do. Like, it, it, I, you know, I, I used to hear people say, you know, stuff like that. Like, and this is, a, this is a terrible story, but I use it, so I'm gonna say it. Like, 
the people who are so in their head about making sure that they're living right because they're so afraid of getting high, if they wipe their ass regularly with, you know, 20 little sheets of toilet paper and on Tuesday they only peel 16 off, they're worried that that puts them in relapse mode. Like, I got to figure it out because I regularly use 20 and now I'm using 16 and there must be something wrong. And and there literally are people like that. And, and I... If that works for them, that's fine. I couldn't live like that. I couldn't live where everything that I do in my life was a thought that if I do this, I'm going to use. Like if I drive down a the different road today, that's going to cause me to use. Like I, I can't live like that. Did you so have moments in that, like I, that I in think, early recovery? I think where early you, on, you, you're... I mean, it's got to be like a, you know, like I'm having some success, whether you're a professional athlete, I'm having some success, yeah. so I've got to do these same, you know, pre, you, pre-game rituals in order to continue to have success. You live in a little bit of fear, right? I think that p- part of it early on is if, if you get to a point where you're willing to get around a few people who have been clean for a while and you trust them, you begin to realize and you just do what they ask you to do and then you and then you see that you get through it, that that's how you do it. You don't have any experience, so you don't know. So there is that. But there's so you have this extreme people on this side that are so I just have to, everything has to be recovery, recovery, recovery. And then you have this people on the other side who are like, I don't really want to do anything recovery, but I want to hang out with you guys and just have the joy of it. And those two things don't typically work by themselves. You have to get more to the middle. And you know what we say to people, like what I, so I, I've helped a fair number of people in early recovery get and remain clean for a long time. And, and most of them, or many of them, become really good friends of mine after and we hang out together we do things provided we have things in common I have some that I just they don't want to play golf and I don't want to go be a biker so we don't you know we're not gonna we don't not gonna hang out because we just don't enjoy the same things doesn't mean I don't love them or they don't love me or we don't help each other we just not you know it's not that kind of a friendship um can I ask you a question about that you you bring up a you bring up a topic of trust and for me you know I hear, I hear you talk about recovery and, and kind of this leap into this new world. So how does somebody in early recovery get to a place where you have some ability to trust? Is it a leap of faith, Mike? Yeah, so, so I, I think what happens is that, so there's, there's a bunch of different stuff that goes on as, as, as the medical field has changed, as they begin to look at addiction differently and they look at it as a brain disease and you know all of those things, I think there are a lot of newer treatments that are coming out. And probably someday somebody will come up with a newer treatment that really does a great job with this. I don't know, I'm not, I, don't, I don't do enough research. But I think for those of us that are the old school people, we had to hit bottom. We had to get to that place of real desperation where, where it, it no longer was a choice. If I don't do this and I don't trust those people, I'm going to continue to do this and, and die or wind up in a jail cell. That, that's what's going to happen. In, in, new, in the new world, there's, there's less of a push for hitting bottom. There's much more of a, we can stop people from using um, before they hit bottom and help them change. And I don't know if they can or they can't. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that is truthful. Maybe there's a way to do that. For us, there really is that kind of desperation. So when you're forced into this corner, then it's not that you're trusting them, it's that you don't have any other alternative. Like there's not another, 
the alternatives are what I just said. And, and so you go to that, but none of us come in here with this incredible trust. One of the great lines that gets bantered around is, um, so when I was early on, I had this issue with trust. And I remember Hard talking to, to crazy Ed LaFountain and, and I love Ed and, and Ed, you know, Ed would talk to me about that kind of stuff. He, he would say, Mike, look what your own thinking, what your own decision-making got you to. You're a multiple arrested person. You were broke, you were homeless, your family had disowned you, and you couldn't hold a job. That's what you running your life got you. Why would you not trust somebody whose life is going better to kind of guide you down that path? And, and it's a hard argument to make. Like it's, a hard, it's hard to say, well, they can't know better for me. So, and yet we still do it. We, we still fight. And I, I think until you get to that point. And then what happens, you said leap of faith. I love that phrase. It was a leap of faith, but I wouldn't say that it was a leap of faith off here down to there. It was a leap of faith from here to here first and then mm -hmm. from here to here. And that leap of faith was, okay, I've asked this guy and he told me to do something and I'm gonna try it and see how it works. So then what happens is I try this first thing that he told me and it works. Kind of like the guy I was telling you about playing golf. When I told him, just go up to him and ask him if you can be in the group. And he was so afraid to do that. And then when he did, and the guy was like, yeah, sure, give me your number, we'll put you on, we'll ask. Well, now the next time I tell him to do something over here, he has experience to draw on where he goes, okay, the last time he said I should do this, I did it, and it worked out really well, so I'll try again. And, I'll tr and then before you know it, they get to this place where they say, okay, I've tried eight things, all eight things have been better in my life, so now I'm willing to jump off the big ledge and say I'll trust him to, because so far he hasn't steered me wrong. That I think when we interview Allie on this program, I think she will really speak to that because you're, when she came in, she didn't want to have anything oh, to yeah. do with traditional recovery. She didn't want to have a meeting. She wanted a place to live. Yep. She was carrying a bunch of burdens, you know, uh, having been, I think, kicked out of the county in which she lived. They didn't want her back. I mean, she yep. had really a very checkered past, and she really didn't have any place to go but was not interested in doing anything. Yep. And she took, I think, that small step leap of faith, yep. one, because the meeting was yep. right there at MHAB, she, you couldn't not just say, I'm willing to try because all I have to do is walk across the parking lot and walk right. into the door. I mean, you don't, right. the only effort it takes is for you to get out of your, you know, out, out of your dorm room. Out of your Be dorm willing room to leave your dorm room and go across and the street. Yeah, you're right. And so she, to me, is one of those most profound, small step, leap of faith people yeah. that now carries with her a joy mm. of recovery, a joy of the success yeah. of, 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 you know, I trust the people that, that are in part of my circle because I've worked on these relationships. I trust the programs that I've been involved in. And she has so many fears that she had to overcome. You know, she was working on, you know, she lived on the system and she was so afraid to try mm -hmm. to get off, off the benefits that she had kind of come to know throughout her life. And, and now she really lives independent and free of most anything except her own effort to get up and go to work and to pay her bills and to live her life. So it's think about this, you watch. made it, you used the word that I think is probably my favorite word in, in the whole world, especially the world of recovery and that's fear. And I, I will tell you that you think about what alcohol and drugs did for me and does for most people is it alleviated the fears that I had to go and do something. 
that that's what it did it gave me courage it gave me i i couldn't go to i think just think about uh, like a high school dance i couldn't go ask a girl to dance at a high school dance i just didn't have it in me to walk across the room and do it a couple three four beers and smoke a joint and i'll walk up to her and be the life of the party and say will you dance with me so it took care of that fear mm. you know you went you went, I don't think you'd surf before you were in Aruba, right? Did not, never surfed. So I'm assuming that on some level, there was at least a little bit of fear. Maybe fear is not the right word. Maybe it's anxiousness or whatever for both you and Santana. The difference between people like you and people like me is that before recovery, I wouldn't, first off, I probably wouldn't have been in Aruba, but beyond that, <laughs> if, I, if I were there and I had the opportunity to go learn to surf, I would have had to have a few drinks before I could do that. And if I couldn't have a few drinks before I would go, I wouldn't go. I would just, I would come up with a reason for not going. People like you and Santana don't, you, you struggle with them. I'm sure walking out there and the first time you get sure. on there is, is a fearful thing, but you're don't able to get walk hurt. through it. You don't want to look like yeah. an idiot. You know, oh my God, I'm not yeah. going to be able to do this. It's going to be humiliating. For addicts and alcoholics, we justify that the couple beers or whatever it is my drug of choice is will help me to get through this tremendous fear that I have. Otherwise, I won't walk through it. So of all the things that we talk about, I think fear masked by a whole bunch of different emotions, whether it's anger or resentment or whatever, always comes down to that fear inside of me. And, you know, I, I went and spoke at, you know, the legislator meeting the other night about the nursing home where my mother is. And, and I'm, I think I speak pretty well in public. I think Thank I make do. pretty good yeah. presentations. I think I'm okay. But it doesn't mean that that 15 minutes before I'm there, I'm not scared to death and going, I'd rather not go do this. And, and I think early on in recovery, I never could have done that. I, the fear would have gotten to me and I, I just couldn't have. And, and now today I've learned. And the only way that I've learned was I took these little series of leaps of faith until I said, you know, now I can look back at my history and go, you've spoken public a hundred times. And they've all been okay. Some haven't been great. Some have even been bad. But you, nothing bad happened to you as a result of doing right. it. Like, I think that's a lot of that fear is we think something bad's going to happen and it's going to cause me to go back and do this. And um, so I like when people are willing to walk through their fears. And even if they're not successful, they begin to realize that, or even if they are successful, wow. I can be successful and it's not going to cause me trouble or I can fail and it's not going to cause me trouble like it like I can I can do it and get through it and that's one of those things that people who are active and early on don't get so that's why we push them so much to be active so I don't know if this is just exclusive to people that are in recovery um, but it does seem to come up in a lot of mentorship uh, arrangements that I have people who fear both failure as well as fear success do you know what I mean? There is that, you know, what does it mean if you in recovery are actually, you speak in public and you actually have some success with that? What, you know, there is, I think there's that fear of what's next. I think that it's so funny because I probably, I, I think on some level that I've been at least a little bit successful or done some successful things in my life. And I don't think I realized how afraid of being successful I was until I became successful and recognized how afraid I was of it. <laughs> like, you know, early on, I'd been such a failure. I'd fail, like, it was, it, it was easy to not almost be afraid of it because it was, I was used to it. It's like, this is who I am. I'm a yep, failure. I'm this is what this I up. do. It doesn't matter what doesn't it matter. is. I'm yep. just going to screw it up and I'll make do and, and get by. And, and so, yes, when I started having some successes, um, 
I was afraid of it. And I, I was afraid of it for a lot of reasons. You know, one of them, and you've heard me say this before, for guys like me, you know, ego, I have a little one. Like, it's very small. It's not big at all. It's like pretty um, Ego is a, is a, can be a huge thing for people like me. And if I start having success and people heap accolades on me and tell me how wonderful I am and I'm, you know, shitting rainbows and, you know, whatever it is that you're, <laughs> that you're doing to, to, you know, think that you're this great guy, that's just as dangerous for me as failing, you know, that I, because I start seeing myself differently than what I am. You know, at my core, I've been successful. Like, if you think about it, I guess we're talking societal. If you think about society's terms, I think that I've been successful. We run a, a decent business. We've helped a lot of people with employment and done some good things. And we started MHAB, and that helps people. And so we, society-wise, we've been successful, I think. And that's great for me as long as I remember that I worked hard, you work hard, the people that work for us work hard, and collectively we all put this together. For me, it's very easy to go from that to look what I've done, look how great I am, look at how wonderful. And so I have to be guarded against that. You know, it's that, you know, the word humility is a, is a big part of it. So yeah. as much as beating myself up for what a piece of shit I am is dangerous, so is believing that somehow I'm better than everybody else because look what I did and look at all the accolades. Believe you all get. your own it, press clippings, re, re, right? It's my favorite phrase, you know, reading my own press clippings is, is a danger part for me. And you know, you know, the this is June 1st and you know, the month of May is a, has been an unbelievable month for me this year. I mean, it really is just, you know, beyond anything I could have imagined, the, you know, Education Champion Award from Clinton Community College and the, an honorary, honorary degree. degree from Clinton and I celebrate my anniversary this month, anniversary, 31st anniversary. Yeah. And, you know. It was a good month for you. It, it is. And, and, and I always want to be appreciative of those things, but I, I don't want them to get to that point where I do. I start reading my own press clippings and I start looking at this somehow thinking I'm different. Because at my core, I'm still just a regular guy trying to live right and do the right thing. I'm Every not day, anything special. Now, maybe I, I, you know, got some leadership qualities or I, you know, I'm blessed with the ability to affect change and stuff. And, and if I use those things for positive and good and, and always remember that what I'm really what I'm trying to do is, you know, help people to be better, then it's okay. But if I read those things and start thinking somehow that I'm different or better, you know, it's, it's one of the things I've, you know, I think that it's been it's been brought up to me in kind of humorous ways from a lot of people that you know when are you running for office what office are you running for and stuff and and that's flattering it it's and it's something that years ago i always thought i wanted to be like i would love to be in politics and and you know today i look at it and go that is a danger zone for me i i i it's not a you know first off i'm not sure that i could win i still you know i don't think everybody likes me but um it's it's less about that and it's more about, I can see it. I, I can see how you get sucked in. You know, the news media always wants to talk to you. They want to interview you. They may, it, it's easy to start feeling like, look at me, I'm something special. And, and Well, I think that politics is the one arena that we think is a place where we can affect change. And I think that, I think that we, and especially you've come to, to the idea that, that it's important that what you do makes a difference makes a difference in other people's lives. It's not just about us. It's really that which we're giving away, whether it's time, effort, energy, money, skill, opportunity, hope. 
And, and so in politics, you think, here's the place where I can really move the needle and change people's lives in the big picture, whether it's changing legislation, creating opportunity on a bigger scale. But the speed of government works <laughs> at a glacial <laughs> pace. And I think that anybody that is that has the desire and the ability to make change finds that apoplectic movement of, of, of government like so stifling that you can't, you can't be who you are, so you end up morphing into this um, gladiator. And I think that you would absolutely struggle with that. Now, either you would force your way to change and bend the entire legislature or bend the entire assembly or bend the entire Senate to your will, which is huge work to do. Um, or it would it would do be damaging. I think that that in the end, I think that I would be able to do way less good for the people that I'm actually trying to help than I can do right here doing this the way we're doing it. And, and that's the part that I think of. You know, for me, we need people to make policy. We need people who sit up there and do that. I'm not that person. I'm so much better in this arena where I can be down at the. That sounds terrible. I don't mean down at the, but in the trenches more than than we you know up there doing. We have to be able to do the work. Yeah, we have to yeah. be able to change people's lives one life at a time in a way that makes a difference. You because used, we're going to create greater. You just moved the needle on a recovery podcast. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We just sent half the audience into relapse mode because Betsy's talking about needles Different on the recovery on the recovery podcast. That's really cool. So anyway, I think that you know the point of today's was. Uh, I don't know. We didn't have a point. We just wanted to talk about recovery stuff. And I, I think for me, my life has to be fun. Like it, it has to be, if my life were, were shrouded in just talking about all the things that are wrong with me and always trying to work on myself and do that, I, I don't think that I would want to be in recovery that way. I want it to be, you know, Lizzie and I have, so we go on vacation in September. We're going for two weeks out west, and we'll play golf in, in Utah and go down to the Grand Canyon. And, you know, it's a great trip. Um, but before that, August, I have uh, tickets for Guns N' Roses August 3rd at yeah. Fenway Park. Nice. And then Billy Joel August 4th at Fenway Park. Ugh. And then Lizzie's awesome. stepsister's daughter is getting married that weekend. So after we're at Boston for three days, we'll head down to Connecticut, go to the wedding. So... It's like, that's just cool. And we'll throw our golf clubs in and we'll find good courses to play and we'll play golf and we'll, you know, and all that stuff just as a result of being willing to make a change. You know, if you think about me, I'm 57, I'm being, we'll be 58 this year. Oof, yeah. Let's not even talk about that. And you look like you're in your 60s now. So, Jackass, um, I fucking hate you. <laughs> did I just say that out loud? <sighs> So let's, you don't let's look a day over like 62, though, so uh -huh. it's not bad. You know, it's a, you look pretty good. Jerk. <laughs> I will say that whether you are in recovery or not, your life today is a gift. What makes it even better is the fact that you have walked across the fire of coals to get to a place where you can really, really, really appreciate this life that you and Lizzie have now to be able to do the things that, that you do. I think you do them with an even greater joy because... You lived much of your life on the, you know, on the brink of disaster. Okay, wait, because you just gave me the great quote. You know how we have a quote? You just gave me the great quote for today, the What's quote the, for the day. What's the great quote? <laughs> Yesterday's a history, tomorrow's a mystery, today's a gift. That's why we call it the present. The present. Ah, ah you like that one, Brittany? That was pretty good, right? 
Look at me that I just, being your I inspiration for, for thought and quote. I'm here for you. Well, did you put last week's in yet, by the way? What was last week's quote? What did I come up with? Oh, yeah, we got to change it. It was... Uh, I didn't have one last week, or did I, or did I do one that I already did before or something? So this week, that last week's was people who matter don't, people who judge me don't matter. People, people who matter, matter don't, don't judge me. me. That's a good quote. Yeah. I like that quote. Today's was good, though. I like it. And you brought it up to me just yes. by you talking about that. But what, were, what was your question? Because I was, so I was doing I, what Bryn said. I, as you were talking, I was thinking about I know, something. I know. You were, you were completely <laughs> so not paying prepped. attention when I talked. Right. And, you know, a lot of people like you do that. It really wasn't a question. It was really kind of a reflection on the fact that that somebody that was living your life right now, whether they were in recovery or not, it's a great life, right? What makes yours even better is that you and Liz have this level of appreciation that's so much higher because of the place from which you've come. And I think for people in early recovery, I think it's just, I, I hope that it's inspiring for them to see what's possible. I by think the by you know by the life that yeah. you are living and the w the way that you're willing to share both kind of the where you've been as the as well as the where you I are. I think that you have the hard part of that is that and this is what I struggled with when I first came in. We people like me have to do a better job of explaining to those new people that we were where they are when they came in because when I first came in and I was looking at people that had 10, 15, 20, 30 years and had this great life it seemed so far out there that it wasn't attainable. Mm -hmm. Like I looked at these people and said, they're so well put together. And then when I started talking to them and they would tell me their stories about how when they first came in, they were just like me. They were lost and scared and in financial trouble and all. And But, but you don't necessarily see it if what you're seeing is this person with 30 years that owns a business, happily married, you know, what you see is that. And so it's important that guys like me remind the people that are newer that it wasn't always like this. Like I was in your position. It's not, it isn't this unattainable goal that you can't get to. Like I was, I was there. And You know, the other thing that I remind people is, you know, I remember when I was 26 and I came into recovery and all the things that I thought I wanted, like all the things that I thought I was you know, going to have and goals. Um, I'm not going to tell you a for example, but I'm going to tell you that because I want to finish the story. All right. So there were all these things that I thought I wanted to have and be when I grew up. And most of those things didn't come true other than the fact that I remained sober. Yet I have tremendous gratitude in my life for what I have today. And I say that story not so we focus on the things that I wanted, so we focus on the fact that I don't have regrets in my life. And I, I don't like that when... For me, I don't live with any regrets. And I hear people talk about regrets. And I, I think that it's a hard thing to explain because are there some things that I did when I was using that I wish I hadn't done? Of course there are. You, the, we, the, the, there's that. But I also know that my life is where it is today because of every turn that I took and everything that happened. If one thing had happened different, how much different could my life be? You know, if I had taken one, and this may sound simplistic to people or they might not agree, but for me, I look at it and go, if I had taken a left turn as opposed to going straight, I could have gotten a car accident after taking that left turn and my whole life, I mean, one thing. So I look at my life today and go, I have this incredibly great life because of everything that I've been through. So I don't spend a lot of time dreaming or wanting things. I, I try to spend a lot of time just
living in the moment in the day. And it doesn't mean we don't plan or we don't do things, you know, from running a business. You have right. to have some planning, but it really is about whatever comes is going to be cool and exciting and fun. And, and I, so I think to answer your question without giving specifics, because I'd rather not do that, I always had an idea of where I would be. Like at 40, I'll be here, I'll be making this, at 50, I'll be here. And I think I'm at the place now where I'm going, the goal of life is to be enjoying the journey, not trying to get somewhere. Like right. it's, it's the journey that, that matters. Like, you know, we look at, it's the journey. It's the, what am I doing day to day to really appreciate the life that I have and, and enjoy it? Because we're not guaranteed. Like, I think I'm pretty healthy. I think you're pretty healthy. I think we're probably gonna be around for a while, but there's no guarantee of that. And I, I don't wanna be at a place where I go, I was working so hard to get all this that I forgot to enjoy my life while I was doing it. And then I finally get there and all of a sudden I'm diagnosed with cancer and I'm going to be dead in a year. Like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I spend my life trying to live each day like it's like this could be it, you know, and, and not that not recklessly like I'm not, you know, not living so much on the edge that I'm reckless. But I do understand that if. I think I said this, might have been to my father. I don't want to die today. I want to live for a lot more years. I think I'm pretty healthy. But if I die today, I'm okay. Like I've had a great 57 years realistically. Were there a couple years that were pretty bad? Sure. But overall, I've lived a really great, full, exciting life. Like and and I, I think that's that point of not having, you know, not having regrets or any of that kind of stuff. You know, before I went on vacation, I was working with one of our young employees that's um, not necessarily in recovery, but clearly in a challenged place. And, uh, and you know, he's constantly talking about, you know, trying to figure out what life's all about or what he wants right. to do. And I said, you know, there's going to come a point every day where there's a decision you have to make. And if you can tell yourself, I just have to do the next right, right thing. thing. It's That's great. it. Just the next right, right thing. What's the next right thing to do? And then if you can get that far, you're going to get there, wherever there is. There doesn't necessarily have to do, has to have to have a, a, right. a destination as much as get yourself into a mind space where I know I'm at a point where I'm going to decide whether I'm going to go over and talk to that guy that's selling drugs or I'm going to go yeah. with this guy that's, you know, going fishing. I mean, whatever the, you know, well, whatever we live the in such point a, is. such a judged society, like where, you know, you're, you're supposed to go to college and you get a degree and you go get a career and you find somebody to marry and you have children. Like everything's like supposed to be this way. And I think what a lot of people are beginning to learning is life is just life. It just, it doesn't, there's no set pattern necessarily. There's no, I try to live right. Yeah, I try to just do, to the do the next, next right, right thing. thing. And if I do, yeah. I have this great existence. And for the most part, things are terrific. You know, I heard a speaker once years ago spoke about that kind of stuff and she was at a rehab so you, you can watch it on YouTube but she was speaking at a rehab and she said she had like 35 or 40 years and, and she said if I could give you my 35 years in recovery I wouldn't do it and so these people in rehab are like annoyed they're like what an arrogant bitch and you know <laughs> she wouldn't do this and then she followed it up with because I wouldn't want to rob you of the incredible journey that you're going to experience over the next 35 years of your life. And that's the key. Like, it's not about getting somewhere. It's about this incredible journey that I've been on, this incredible ride that I've been on that has so many highlights and lowlights and memories, and it just has been cool as hell. Do you think functionally the recovery program that you're in or recovery programs in general work to help 
people establish a foundation of gratitude or begin to exercise gratitude in thought and action? Do yeah. you think that that's absolutely? And 100%. I think that that of all the yeah. things that I think that when you speak or when you yeah. speak to me, we always come back to this piece about gratitude, and that in early recovery, it's really hard to be. You know, it's hard to be grateful for the fact that you're still alive because most people that have been addicts yep. or alcoholics were really just on a on a on a, a, a path to death. They just they just knew they didn't care about about gratitude. They cared so I was the same way. You know, I was a I honestly didn't expect to live past thirty years old, thirty five years old. And it wasn't that I had a death wish, but I cared very little about it. I mean, you know, drinking and driving and, you know, violent situations and places that I hung out and people that I was with, it was I didn't there was no there was no value on my life. I didn't place any real value on it. I just was like, whatever happens, it's fine. I don't care. People that struggle with depression or anxiety disorder yeah. who are really struggling yeah. to find both themselves as yeah. well as a purpose, you know, you get to this really dark place and 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 so foundationally, if you can find a foundation for gratitude and to find small things yeah. to appreciate, and I think that's what I, yeah. I've watched. I think my daughter appreciate that yeah. what recovery has given her is really a sense of gratitude. I think that there is just, I think there's so much strength and power in gratitude yeah. um, in terms of giving you a foundation to stand on and to grow from. I think it's kind of a big I would agree with deal. you that gr you know gratitude is certainly a huge component of it. The other thing I think is that a really great friend of mine said years ago that being in recovery isn't about feeling good, it's about living right. And I love that statement. Like it, it's, you know, so much of my life when I was using, and even in recovery was spent trying to feel good, trying to feel good. Mm. And being in recovery is really just, what, what people like me are trying to do is live more like you've lived most of your life. Like we're trying just to be normal members of society. Like we're trying to live, he calls me normal. You know, Aww. I do. Well, be me. Think about this. You know, if you think about, like, most people who aren't afflicted with this, they live pretty much the way that I live now. They have some type of faith, usually. They are able to hold themselves accountable for the things that they do. They try to be honest and forthright as much as they can. They try to help other people where they can if other people need help. Like those are all components of people in recovery. We just didn't know how to do that. Like we did, we, you guys didn't need a playbook. We needed a playbook. We didn't like we didn't. That's I think we probably could. Probably some of you could use the yeah, playbook too. Yeah. And then we need a little help doing the right thing. But I sure. but I think that that's a lot of it is that we we just didn't know. We, we just were. I've said this before. You've heard me speak a hundred times. Like. I was a taker. I just took. Like my whole life was just about taking from people, and it, and it wasn't because I didn't like people or want. I, I just didn't care. I was like, I, I just want to get high. That's what I care about. I care, care about one thing. I don't. I don't necessarily care about anything else. That's what I want my life to be. And you know, so when you get sober and you start to recognize that, that's when you'd start to say, you know, now I want to be more of a giver. What can I? Rather than what can I get, what can I give? You know, didn't Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, say something along those lines? Like, ask not what, not you what, you can can, what your country can do for you. Ask what, what you can do for your country, country, right? Isn't that the, that's a great, and, yeah. you know, forget about it, country, world, whatever. Like, what, you know, how, how can I be something that's good for other people? Like, what can I contribute as opposed to just what can I get? You know, I think about MHAB and. and like, whiff them. Whiff them. What's in it what's for in me? What's in it for you? Whiffy. <laughs> What's in it for them? I don't get with, with, with it. Get with What's in it for them? <laughs> yeah.
I think that, you know, I think about MHAB and I think about the things that we do in our business. And, and, and sometimes, especially on really hard days, um, and I had some hard days there before I went on vacation trying to get my mind right. Um, at, but I know that we ask ourselves, are we leaving, is my action going to make something better than the way that I showed up to it? Whether it's somebody's life, my experience with somebody in my office, over some, you know, is what I'm doing making it better for somebody or something else, or is what I'm doing making it worse? And I'm trying, you know, and I think that that's gratitude. I think that that's taking and giving something away as opposed to taking it for yourself. Most of what you're doing is not making my life any better. So <laughs> hopefully it's helping other people. <laughs> You'd be lost without me. You can say all your You sent me a text that did you miss me or whatever? And yeah, I, I said, are you, did, I didn't even know you were gone. <laughs> I think that was my response. <laughs> I didn't even, I did. Last week I missed you a little bit. Cause, but I missed you in like a bad way. I was cursing you out. Because I, had to, you I, I like it, had to do you a had lot of shit. I'm like, like, where's job. Betsy? This is what she's supposed to be doing. She had done better ah, when she good left. good for you. So do you have any final thoughts you want to talk? I don't even know what we talked about. Today. Brittany, what did we talk about today? We talked about recovering, being grateful, having a great life, not uh, having to do things, giving to do things. Brittany, are you grateful? I'm very grateful. Awesome. Telly? You grateful? Yes. Good man. I love how we bring our people in to talk to I them. Know, I think, we ask well, them questions. You know, they're, they're part of the heartbeat of Let me tell you something on. before we go, though. They were stars last week. Were they, they sat right here. The two of them were fat. You know, Telly, I know Telly well enough, and I know what he's going to do. Brittany said more in the hour that she was sitting here than she said in the whole time she worked with I us. She was just like, when, she was like, I didn't even need to, to ask her. She just went off on that. It was like, great. The version don't actually have zero <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it was. I thought I had a ton of fun with you guys last week. I thought it was really cool. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see that out there. Can't was, wait to see it. It was. It was. Hey, very you should good. talk about your sweatshirt so that we. Can what do I got? I got. It's. Uh, what's it say? It's way too peopley outside, and uh, you know this is my. And it's funny because I, I wear this, and you know I do have this kind of Hard. demeanor. I think that Exterior. comes across as like uncaring and not liking people and. Gosh. And nothing is farther from the truth because you are such a. But I really person. don't like annoying people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I still haven't figured. I ask myself every day, why do I like Betsy? She annoys the hell out of me every day, and yet I still like her. You know? Really? It's it, like I'm really? like I don't. I just don't get it. Annoy you every day. Every day, so and yet, and, uh, and yet I still, you and yet I still so like lucky you. So. To have you. Yes, so it's way too peoply outside. And, and that and nothing could be farther <laughs> from the truth about you, which is really an interesting piece to you. I know, an it really interesting is. paradox. In Listen, that I think that, that we've fully established in these podcasts and before that that I am. My mother used to say to me. My mother used to say, "When you were born." They broke the mold, <laughs> meaning that there can never be another one of you. That's and I think fact. that that oh, is Barbara, probably a so very, right. a very true fact of what she said. That I am uh, certainly You're somebody who marches to the beat of my own drum and does my own thing. But um, well, this was cool. Welcome back from Aruba. Thanks, honey. It's I'm glad nice to be to back. It's nice to I see you. I missed you all. You know, I know you don't think you think you go on vacation and you don't, but I mean, you missed you missed my. Didn't I finally again. tell you what? Real quick before we close, I think you sent me like some email or some. Oh no! So our our accounting team asked me to approve, you know, payables because yep. you usually do it yep, when yep. you're here. And so I had Natalie come in. I went over them and I approved them. And then like two hours later, you send an email saying approved. 
And I think I sent you back a really nasty email, like, will you be on vacation for Christ's sake? I got this. We're, we're fine. Like, leave me alone. I don't, don't stop responding to emails. I figured they included <laughs> like, me in whatever. the email. They wanted me to know something, so I always pay, I try to pay <laughs> attention. So thank so. you for covering me, by the way. I appreciate you being here, taking good care of our team. I, I get know so you did. You know what? I get so much shit done when you're not uh, here. Uh, it's trust pretty me, amazing. I like, know. I really do get, I'm like, and even the people who work there say, Mike, you're way happier when she's not here. Like, I don't know why that is, but it's a very bizarre, it's a bizarre kind of experience. Because I like <laughs> every, having you here, but the other people, I think. Everybody's averting their eyes. <laughs> I think the other people like it better when one of us is gone. I think they actually well, do. You know, there's a there's a, a little bit, there's, we're a lot to take care of. Let's be honest. We have a lot of needs. You know, you call a meeting on a moment's notice all the time. I'm pretty low maintenance. Oh I'm pretty my. low <laughs> All of the adjectives, low maintenance, never in a million years would that be associated with you or your name. Never. Sorry, pal. All right. So thank you all for watching. Thanks we for joining us. We have effectively, we're done with the hospital. Tell Michelle LeBeau that we're all done, done with the hospital. Clearly Greg Freeman something didn't come. must have happened. I'm sure it was Aren't you a crisis. board member? Uh, you know. I you would think as a board member you could hold that board member card, yeah, but no, you, you couldn't know. do that. I get no respect. I don't know what to tell you. You're like Rodney. We'll oh, hey, out. last what? thing, are you playing golf this Friday? No, not. I got to. I have to do. I have to do a rotary thing. I've got to. I think do we're the good. So the quote is, one more time. Yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. The present. Love that line. So thanks for watching today. And I don't know what the hell we're doing. What are we doing next week? Do we even have it scheduled? Well, now that we have, we'll have to figure out what happens with the reschedule of, uh, of the hospital. But I think that if you guys built the calendar out another couple of weeks, we'll figure it we'll out. We'll get somebody cool in here next week. So thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate it. Uh, COVID out no. is no longer the line. It's, isn't it MHAB out? Is it MHAB? Is that what we did? Or is it recovery out? MHAB out? So I think here's what I'm going to ask. We don't have an out phrase right now. So to our followers, and I think we do have a few that are regular podcast members, we would ask you if when you watch this podcast, if we haven't come up with an out yet and we're still doing fumbling over our own ship because we don't have an out, please send us a nice email that tells us what you'd like to use as a phrase for an out and we might... We might use absolutely. If we'll we give end you up a shirt. using your, your yeah. out phrase, yeah. we'll send you a free MHAB shirt. But I like MHAB out. MHAB out. Try it out. So for now, we're not going to use MHAB out. We're just going to say thanks for watching. And please give us some information because we would love to use that. And this is Mike Carpenter, affectionately known as MHAB Mike. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today at Recovery Uncovered. No matter where you are in your recovery journey, or if you're supporting the recovery journey of a loved one, just know today is the first day of the rest of your life. Visit our website at mhab.org. 
And if you want to become an old timer in recovery, don't use and don't die. This has been Recovery Uncovered.